welcome to Season 3, Episode 15, or Episode 51 overall, depending on how you count. Nobody counts the New Year's Eve thing. Yeah, it's it's L1 in Roman numeral terms. That's right. Or season triple I episode XV. Yes. All right, good times, bad times. Shall I go? Yeah, myself out. Well, I read my, my favorite article for good times this week was scientists had detected x-rays radiating from Uranus. I didn't make it past the headline. <laughs> it never gets... It never is unfunny. Yeah. You're right. It's not. It really isn't. <laughs> I don't know who named that planet, but come on. Well, it's after um, a Greek god. Uranus? Roman. Yeah, Roman. Actually, I think it's Roman. But they're all after the Roman gods, right? So they're just being consistent. Yeah, but there's lots of Roman gods. You didn't have to choose Uranus. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think I think they did it as a joke. Like, they're all sitting around in their togas. They're like, this is really funny. But be serious when we say it. It's after a Roman god. <laughs> anyway, I have no idea what the article is about. Don't really care. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It does not it matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, that's all I got. Over to you. You know, everybody who writes the headlines, anytime they write a headline regarding that planet, they phrase it in such a way. Yeah. And they definitely do it on purpose. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> all those science reporters, they're like, this is why I joined this career. Yeah. Although there's... How do you phrase it so it doesn't sound like there's x-rays radiating from Uranus. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter how you say it. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, over to you. Um, I have two things in good times. First, Edmonton is looking likely to launch a pilot project that would allow drinking in public parks after 71% of respondents to a public consultation said they supported it. And... Uh, it's probably it's done anyway yeah exactly right so they're, they're looking at doing like a trial period from may till the end of september i think and then seeing like you know how it goes and then potentially making it permanent or not i'm all for it it's i mean you just have to then the problem then is how much how much are you liable for and do you want just a bunch of people that are hammered in your parks well, you generally have that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's I think as long as people are responsible with it, it's kind of nice. You know, you have a yeah. picnic, you bring a bottle of wine. It's nice. Well, it's one of those things where you know you just have to police it well and responsibly, and uh, yeah. and also <laughs> couldn't have made. It's weird making this argument in reverse, but. You can smoke marijuana in public parks legally. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because you can I smoke I don't, it anywhere. Uh, no. As long well, as it's not inside. I think that's. I think that rule should be. 
I think the rule with marijuana should be it's only legal where alcohol is legal. Yeah, but that's not the rule. I know. I don't understand it. If you can smoke it anywhere, then you should be able to drink anywhere. There's no difference. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I say it's weird to make the argument in reverse because when you're fighting for, you know, marijuana legalization, it was like, well, it's the same as drinking. <laughs> and now we're like, well, it's the same as smoking. Yeah. Certainly, even if you're not smoking, whether it's legal or not, it's super easy to just, like, do an edible in a park. Who's going to know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right? And it's not... Oh, it's easy to drink in parks, to too. Be... I mean, you just... Sorry? It's easy to drink in parks, too. Yeah. Right? It's not It's not like it's hard. Anybody... We, t- when we did it. My class had a little party in a park where... A lot of us didn't even know it was illegal at the time, but we had a little party in a park recently. I know. We were drinking. You, you, you talked yeah, about talked it about a couple it. of co- podcasts ago. Yeah. We were sitting there drinking, not putting in any effort to hide it. You know, we're not getting plastered, but we're drinking and um, chatting and we're six feet apart. And a cop drove right by, like right by us, within eyeshot. We all looked at him. Yeah. And he just kept on driving. Yeah. <laughs> It's not something it's not they're going to get away with. No, it's not something that's going to be policed, really, unless you are exactly. causing so a disturbance. Unless you're causing a disturbance. Mm-hmm. Is that vodka or? No, that was water. Uh, Sorry, I had a tickle in my throat. And then the other thing that's in good times that I have, Ontario is lowering the age restriction for AstraZeneca from fifty-five to forty. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I originally had this in political, but then I moved it because it's good news. Um, you know, there's a lot of con- controversy around the AstraZeneca vaccine, and I have another story on that in my bad times. But there's a lot more things that are likely to give you a blood clot than AstraZeneca, including, for women, birth control. Yeah. So uh, I, I think we need to, you know, they, they always say, and I believe it's true, the best vaccine to get is the first one you can. And also, vaccines aren't shouldn't be a political issue, so I took it out of political. Yeah. Shouldn't be anything political about vaccines. Unfortunately, there often is these days, but I do not want to participate in that. They're, get get vaccinated. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good that they have enough of them. Well, I mean, everybody's... You probably get AstraZeneca vaccines really cheap these days. Yeah. Because everybody's... Nobody wants them, so... But I, yeah. I'd take it. Not too worried about blood clots. Like I, like you said, there's lots of things that have have more cases of blood clot clotting that cause blood blood clotting that that people do all the time. Like your example was birth control. I mean, for women anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I do not often take birth control. No, often. Not often. Um, <laughs> but you know, actually, that actually transitions me pretty easily into bad times because one of my um, one of my bad times that I'll start with is. Edmonton has a mass vaccination clinic that can give out 7,000 shots per day. Right. On Wednesday, in total, it gave out 280. That's not great. That's no, less. and it's because That's a lot it less. only gives out... Sorry? That's a lot less. It is. It is a lot less. And it's because they only give out AstraZeneca. And people are nervous about getting AstraZeneca. Now, it's also because, you know, like only certain people qualify like i think you have to be in alberta 50 maybe 55 like it used to be in ontario to get astrazeneca so that's already you know limiting your base but still we talk about we've criticized various levels of government a lot for this vaccine rollout but this particularly 
this is on the people. This is our fault. It's on the people, but it's also on the media. I mean, I they've think, made that was the this thing I was going to bring up. They've made this out to be like, oh, you get AstraZeneca. Well, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. 50-50. Yeah. Like, but it's not. It's like one in uh, one in ten million chance or something. I think even less. And it's yeah. I really think like to me the strongest comparison is birth control because we don't think twice about women taking that. Doctors don't think twice about prescribing birth control for things they shouldn't really. And I, I don't mean, misogyny medicine is an entirely different conversation. And I don't think doctors think twice about giving somebody an AstraZeneca shot, but the media's made it super scary to do. And that's the problem with the media is like they always need something big and scary to get your attention and uh, they blow things up. Yeah, I just listened to a Bill Maher bit where he's talking about that where the rest of the world, uh, somebody did a study like when somebody in UK did a study and the rest of the world, when they talk about COVID in the news, they have good times and bad times, a bit like our segment. But they say they'll, they'll, tell, they'll sprinkle in the good news with the bad news, like, you know, almost 50-50. And the U.S. was something like 88% bad news. <laughs> and the other thing in the U.S. was, and this was the biggest problem, it was with Democrats. Um, the question was, what percentage of COVID patients need to be hospitalized? And 70% of Democrats... Uh, like it was split into two categories, which sum it up, 70% of Democrats thought it was 20% or more. Like that was two categories. But the answer is 1% to 5%. And that's yeah, media as well. well. That is, yeah. <laughs> and it's a left-wing media. Yeah. Right-wing media maybe goes too far the other way, but yeah, the, issue that, is, the issue is they shouldn't, it, it's becoming a political issue and it shouldn't be a political issue. It's a health issue. Exactly. Every, every media outlet Public should be giving should be the same... Yeah, every media outlet should have the same news about it because it's a public health issue. This is what the public health people are saying. Yeah. But it's not like that. And the, No. There are too many segments, like, linked in and around the news. Like, that aren't necessarily... Like, if you're smart, you can recognize it's separate from the news, but if you don't think about it, it almost comes off as a continuation of the news where they try to do interpretations and they bring in people to, like, what do you think of this news... Yeah, which is fine. You can have those type of shows. Like late night comedians do a lot of that as well, and that's fine. But I think you should keep it clear and separate from the actual news. Yeah, for sure. But they don't, and they won't. No, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Rachel Maddow, Anderson Cooper. You all, we think of them all as news broadcasters. Almost none of them are. No, they are not. They have news interpretation shows where they give opinions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They aren't news shows. No. Anyway, another... This is like a bad time slash good time. It's a little both. Moderna is uh, cutting its um, expected deliveries to Canada. I think it's supposed to deliver 2 million more doses, but now they're only going to be delivering 650,000. Yeah, that's not great. Um, no, because they're struggling with production in Europe. But Pfizer uh, has stepped up from... Four million is now going to deliver eight million, which more than makes up for the Moderna. Way to go, Pfizer! Exactly right, and Pfizer is slightly the better vaccine. Way to go, Pfizer! <laughs> so that's good. I really want the Pfizer. I'll take I'll take any of them, but I really want the Pfizer. Yeah, anyway, in yeah, the so beginning, I wanted Thank the Moderna. Pfizer. Sorry, in the beginning, I wanted the Moderna. 
No, Pfizer's better. So yeah, so that is good. That part is good. Continuing on in the bad times, Canada is now worse than the U.S. for per capita COVID cases. And it's entirely Ontario's fault. <laughs> Everything's Ontario's fault. That's what happens when you're the most important province. <laughs> yeah, more on that later. But yeah, that's that's unfortunate. They're beating us with vaccine rollout. Now they're beating us in per capita COVID. I mean, come on. They just changed, like, the top guy, got a Democratic Senate, and suddenly they're all that. <laughs> it's not surprising that if you're winning in the vaccine rollout, you'll be winning in the per capita cases. Yeah, that's true. It was kind of the natural outcome. Feels like there's probably and, a link there. Needs Need to do some studying, but maybe there's a link. Yeah. And then the other thing the U.S. is beating us in is have you seen the opening and closing game outfits for the Canadian athletes for the Olympics that are not going to happen? I have not. They're horrendous. Yeah, they're normally pretty they're, good. So that's surprising. They are, they're awful. The U.S., they look like NASA prep. Like, they're sleek. They look smart. We look like backwoods Saskatchewan hick. Easy. That... <laughs> I could have, you know what? Backwoods, Alberta, it, it works. Western, like, small, small, small town redneck. Okay. But no, they're, they're bad. It's like this horrible jean jacket with some weird graffiti and, like, patches on it. And then a shirt that, with the jean jacket, it looks like it has the Batman symbol on it. But actually, um... It's a maple leaf. It's the Canadian flag. They aren't going to be wearing the jean jacket, are they? they? For the opening and closing games, they are. Not the jean jacket. Yes, are you looking at it? Yeah, I am. There's. That is what they're going to be wearing. Why not the the red the red jackets are nice, and the white with the red there sleeves are, no are red nice. Jackets. Yes, there is. There are. No. What are you looking at? The 2020 uniform kit for Team Canada. Oh, yes. Okay. I see the red one. Those aren't bad. So, well, I mean, no, they're going to wear the jean jacket at some point. But I'll tell you, Dill, uh, the articles I'm reading about it, they like the jean jacket. And well, you're right. That is, that, is for the, that is the uh, closing ceremony uniform. The, the jean jacket? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, either way, Stephen Colbert made fun of us. Oh, uh, did he? Yes. The article I'm reading says, Canada has done it again, proving it, is, it could be the best country on the planet. No, I reject it. It's not great. It is pretty bad. The thing is, it has too much going on. Yeah, it's not great. That's what I'm going to say. Anyway, we've been talking for a long time about things that the listeners cannot see, so no. let's move on. Yeah, I can cut some of that. <laughs> My bad times are done. Oh, okay, you. so you're waiting for me. All right, well. Yeah. In Minnesota, Dante Rice, Wright was shot and killed by the police. And and the defense that the police officer in question is going with is... So she thought she pulled her taser, but grew her gu- drew her gun instead. I read something that said that in the process of pulling out your gun... 
taking off the safety, cocking it, and then pulling the trigger at no point you realized it was a gun, it was a gun and not a taser? Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, you see it in your hand. You you probably say something before you pull the trigger. Like, you do. A t- she, she yelled, taser, and then shot him. <laughs> it's obviously not a taser. Like, a taser doesn't have a trigger like that. If you can't tell the difference between a taser and a gun, you should not be a cop. Yeah, there's definitely some issues there. How can that happen? Ah, uh, I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand. Yeah. Anyway, I guess people we'll are, find out at the trial. I mean, some people are saying that she knew it was a gun and she was yelling taser to cover her butt to, like, make the argument later that it was a mistake. I would take some serious forethought in the heat of the moment. I'd I don't know, maybe... But, but like, is it any more out there than, like, her mistaking a gun for a taser? Like, Yeah, it's bizarre. Any story that comes out of that is bizarre. It's very yeah. bizarre. So we'll see what happens in trial. Obviously, she's not going to be a cop anymore. That's probably a good yeah. thing. Have you seen this uh, Madame Holmes saga from Ontario? No, what's that? So... It seems, well, I mean, it doesn't seem it happened. A bunch of construction workers at a Madame building site decided to have a party and hired a stripper and were drinking in, like, a new build that wasn't done. And someone there filmed it and put it on social media, and it went viral. So then the the company, Madame, fired all the employees that were involved because they were all on the video. <laughs> And then, and then the the guy that filmed it and put it up on the site was attacked by the gang that all got fired, beaten up, and now he's in a coma in the hospital. Oh my god! Isn't that insane? Yeah. Like on so many levels, on so many levels. I have to say, <coughs> I don't think we're dealing with with Mensa members here. Uh, doubt it. First of all, if you're having an illicit party. Either take people's phones or make sure everybody's on the same page with, hey, don't take a video and put it on social media because we're doing something pretty bad here. Right? Yeah. Honestly, yeah. So who's ever organizing the party, drop the ball. Second, you know, if the guy that did that all of a sudden gets the crap beat out of him, who do you think the cops are going to look at? Like, now they're going to jail for, for that, for beating this guy up and putting him in a coma. They'll probably go to jail for aggravated assault. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so obvious. Uh, so it's just insane story that, I mean, I know builders do crazy things in houses. You know, I think Uncle Kevin found chicken wings under his carpet. And I've heard stories of worse being found in, in new home stuff because they just don't care. A lot of people don't seem to care when they're building that it's other people's stuff. They just do whatever they want in there and move on. And that seems to be what happened yeah. here. But, but man, oh, man, the, the the level of incompetence makes you wonder how the houses stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and moving on, the iceberg that was once the largest in the world has melted into several small fragments that are no longer worth tracking. So... First, the iceberg, it was called A68, which I think is a really stupid name. Like, if it's yeah. the biggest iceberg in the world, call it something, not A68. Yeah. But anyway, it weighed billions of tons, 
and was bigger than the size of Norfolk, which doesn't help me at all. I don't know how big that is. I'm assuming it's big. It's, uh, it's a county in East Anglia in England. It's, I think it's. I think they're probably referring to Norfolk in the states. I think it's a uh, army base. Oh well, that makes sense because this Norfolk County in the UK is five thousand three hundred and seventy-two square kilometers. So that would be pretty big. Yeah. Well, it did weigh billions of tons. So I don't know. I don't know which Norfolk. Then it's a, just a poorly written article because you have to be clear which Norfolk you're talking about. But anyway. So it broke off the what was called the Larsen Sea Ice Shelf. So scientists, uh, so it broke off in mid 2017, and and scientists originally thought it could take up to a decade to melt. So they either did some really bad math, or maybe I don't know, maybe there's some other factor. Is that Arctic or Antarctic? I don't know. Antarctic, was... Antarctic. But it, I mean, the other oh. factor is global warming. I was just kind of being like, <laughs> it's getting warmer faster than they predicted. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely, no. I know what you meant, but I was thinking if it was the Arctic, maybe it was also all the nonsense the Russians are up to up there. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, it was Antarctic. Yeah, maybe the Russians hit it with their super missile. Yeah, exactly. And I just saw, just just right before this, I saw a, a video clip of, of an actor, Jim Cavazell, I guess. Uh, he was in the, County Mon- the Count of Monte Cristo and the Passion of Christ. I haven't seen either of those movies, but I guess they're supposed to be good. Anyway, he has jo- he joined uh, some far right conspiracy theorists at uh, at a COVID nineteen conspiracy health and freedom conference in Oklahoma. That must have been hard to put on a billboard. But anyway, he he spent some of his time talking about the adrenochroming of children, which is a QAnon theory that states that rich people torture children. So they can harvest their adrenaline, and and that that adrenaline gives them like some sort of rejuvenation properties. Isn't he a rich person? Probably, but so I guess he would know. <laughs> but uh, basically, it, the article said this that I was reading, and I thought it when I saw the video. It's it's basically it's more or less the plot of Monsters Inc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. QAnon is a Pixar fan, apparently. And that's how he comes up with these conspiracies. Yeah. Um, I have, I have, you're, are you finished? Done. All right, I have, I have one more bad time that I just remembered. Actress Helen McCrory, who was most recently uh, in famous for Peaky Blinders, but also played Narcissa Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies, passed away at age 52. Oh, that's young. Yes, she, it was cancer. Okay. Um, but it was on Friday. And yes, that is, that's sad. There's a kind of hush all over the world. Tonight, all over All right, all over the world. And this looks like it might be a short one. So that's, that's kind of nice for mother. Yeah. <laughs> Your mother. India is looking at potentially building more coal-fired electricity plants because it's the cheapest form of power available there. And also they like melting icebergs. I don't know. It's probably like, you know when you go to urinal and they use ice to keep the the smell down and then you have to go to the bathroom? Like I always pick an ice cube and melt it. Like Maybe they're just trying to do that with icebergs on a grander scale. <laughs> like, hey, A68, let's 
build five more coal plants and we'll see if we can melt that one. <laughs> now, the last couple of years, their, their coal-fired power has actually gone down, which is great. But uh, it looks like they might be ramping it back up again. So that's oh. unfortunate, but... I wouldn't be surprised. Modi is is not exactly doesn't really seem like a stable individual. Plus, I mean, they just there's a lot of people and they need to do the electricity cheaply. But ultimately, it'll cost more. Yeah, it's a bad call. It's a bad call long term. Anyway, that's all I have. Over to you. Yeah, I've got one thing. Raúl Castro, brother of Fidel Castro, announced his resignation as leader of Cuba's Communist Party. He had previously resigned as president of Cuba in 2018, but stayed on as head of the Communist Party. And he said in his announcement that he was handing the reins over to a sort of like fresh, young, and and vibrant wing of the Communist Party that's ready to fight imperialism in the modern world and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then it said that he favored the current president of Cuba to take the reins of the Communist Party, who is a 60 year old man. (laughs) <laughs> How old's so, Raul? Sorry? How old's Raul? 89. Ah. So I guess young comparison. It's relatively young. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm handing it over to this the This young whippersnapper. Five years <laughs> from retirement. <laughs> but it's a, it was a big story because this will be the first time since the uh, revolution in Cuba that a Castro hasn't been basically running things. Yeah. That's crazy. Which, uh, you know, and, and that is, I think, opens up the opportunity for change. Yeah, I think you might have had more opportunity if it wasn't a 60-year-old, but... Yeah, although there's already been some, like, opening up of the market and stuff uh, under this president who took over in 2018. So there might be, you know, a little bit more. I think Cuba's not as bad of a place as it's painted out to be. I think it's pretty bad. In any dictatorship, I'm generally against. But a lot of the worst parts of it are are because of, like, U.S. sanctions and stuff like that. Like, again, I, I don't want to come to, you know, the defense of Cuba because they have many human rights abuses. And Yeah, I was going to say, I don't uh, think that's the only problem. No, no, different minorities, you know, you have big problems. But, you know, they have a great health care system. They have a very good education system. It's not the hellscape the U.S. would paint it out to be. Well, no, and I think Davies since Obama as well anyway, but I don't know. The education system, I'm sure they educate what they want to educate very well, but do they educate the facts? I don't know. Yes, but what I mean is, like, okay, that's fair, but, like, in terms of, like, every country in the world, they have a very high literacy rate. Right. I think so higher people than the read. U.S. Okay. For reading and writing skills, you know? Like, I don't know. I just... I don't. What I don't want is for them. Is there to be like a sudden revolution, and then they turn into a, you know, far right, super capitalist type of country where they abandoned what social net they have. That's my worry. Oh, I think they're a long way from that. Oh, collapse of the Soviet Union. That's what happened to some of those uh, satellite states. The satellite. Well, I don't think... Are they... I mean, they were... I mean, maybe they overcorrected, but it was not better before. Well, I, mean, I think there's, I, I think I there's just, just many issues with the far left as there is the far right. It's no better. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, we'll see what happens. Everything.
Okay, political. I'll get mine over with because I don't have as much as you. Alexei Navalny is on a hunger strike. And allies of the, the Kremlin critic have unveiled plans on, on Sunday for what they hope will be the largest protest in modern Russian history. That's supposed to happen on Wednesday. So oh. we'll see how that goes. And now Washington has warned... Uh, it would that Russia would pay a price if Nalvani dies in jail from his from his hunger strike. Now, I mean, I don't know. I don't, do you think he's on a hunger strike, or do you think he's just worried about being poisoned for a third time or something? Like he's getting his food from from the from the people that poisoned him. I wouldn't want to eat yeah. either. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either. And I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I just think you know. Does Putin really care if people are saying, "Oh, you better watch out if he dies"? I don't think he cares. <laughs> I don't think he's. I still. I think he's still sleeping pretty well. Probably, yeah. Uh, moving uh, closer to home, Ford looks like he's going to revise a couple of decisions that he made. Uh, he thought he said playgrounds are going to be closed, and he's changed his mind on that. And he said uh, police are going to be. St- Topping people randomly in the street, and and it looks like that's not going to happen. But the only reason that that's not going to happen because because I think the cops all said, yeah, we're we're not going to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, uh, I think they're both good things. Like you know, you can social distance kids in a playground. You, you obviously don't want like two kids doing the the you know like a like a double tandem swing or something but you know close off one swing keep them two swings apart kids got to get out you can't keep them cooped up for you know it's already been too long and then that was just like too much police power yeah oh that was crazy that that was crazy i i can't and i think it stems from when he announced there's farther restrictions the first time somebody asked the question of him well how are you going to enforce this what what are the police going to do how are you going to enforce it and basically said well we just want people to follow it and then he's like yeah how am i going to enforce it so then he said yeah we're just going to pull people over and and the other thing is something like that probably check with the police boards first just say yeah get them on your side get them on your side police were like "Mm, no no, everybody, nobody's doing that, and that's great. Yeah. I, I mean, that to me, that was great because that—that is not the country that we live in. You can't just get pulled no. over because you're that is, out. That is, you know, you expect that in Cuba, but you don't expect yeah, that here. Exactly. <laughs> Although, you know what? I, I don't know for how much, and I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say either way. But I think some police departments probably chose not to do it because it's the wrong thing. And others probably chose, like, listen, the environment is bad enough for right, us right now. It's the last thing we need. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way, whatever their decision was, it was a good one. Yeah. And uh, Representative Maxine Waters in the States has told demonstrators to stay in the street and become more confrontational if former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin is acquitted of killing George Floyd. And that is a little bit dangerous. I mean, I get where she's coming from. But first, I just I just think, why don't you let the justice system work before you get angry at it? When you're faced with that kind of national environment, and when the peaceful protests of, you know, you know, you know, you 
protest peacefully for so long and then you know this guy still gets off you know the guy where we have a video of him murdering somebody and so we needed to have a month-long trial about whether or not he murdered somebody i understand the frustration and the need to get you know if you'll need more confrontational like you know listen to us like i mean more confrontational doesn't have to mean more violent this is true but some people will definitely take it that way possibly it's a da- I just think it's a I, I thought it was a dangerous statement especially pre-verdict. Like yeah. why why are you out there saying this before like why are you getting angry before it's done? Just maybe he'll be found guilty this like why don't you let the wheels turn, right? Yeah. And it's honestly just- <laughs> if he gets on, if he if he like is found innocent she didn't need to say that people were going to stay in the street and get more confrontational, trust me. Likely, yeah, I think so. If Derek Chauvin is allowed to walk free, there will be hell to pay. I mean, the police have said it's not, wasn't a police hold or a police move. Yeah. So if he's just doing stuff on his own that wasn't part of his training and the guy died, although his lawyer's trying to make it out like an overdose and stuff. Anyway, we're going to, we said we'd wait till the verdict's done, so let's just move on. I have quite a few, although I think a lot of them will go uh, by quickly. First of all, Trudeau is helping. Trudeau has said that he's going to help Ontario uh, with their COVID things by sort of reaching out to other provinces on behalf of Ontario and, and trying to get them to help. Yeah, because other provinces love Trudeau. Yeah. Well, the first ones he reached out to were um, Nova Scotia and uh, um, Newfoundland, both of which have liberal premiers, you know, so he went to his buddies first. And this is on the wake of, I read another article where it said Doug Ford reached out to Jason Kenney and Scott Moe for help. And I have to say, you gotta be pretty desperate to reach out for Jason Kenney, because he's got (laughs) his own problems right now. Sitting here in Alberta, he's got his own problem right now. It looks, with the current numbers, if a provincial election were held today, the NDP would win a majority government. Oh, wow. He's got his own problems. <laughs> but does he have but extra vaccines? Good. Sorry? But does he have extra vaccines? Yeah. That he can send to Ontario? The actual the thing that actually Doug Ford asked for was like nurses and, and, and healthcare staff. Yeah, fair. Which also we don't have because Jason Kenney fired 4,000 of them before the pandemic. So you have lots, actually. <laughs> yeah. There's 4,000. Sitting around. There's 4,000 that are readily available. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of Doug Ford, apparently he ignored warnings and predictions from experts up to two months ago that said that things could get worse if Ontario didn't act quickly. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he. That's. He, there was predictions two months ago that predicted, that modeled this exact, like exact, within. within 15 or 10 cases of how many cases would be in uh, ICU. Yeah. Like, it was crazy how close it was. Crazy how exact it was. But it was... uh, He was trying to fight it with the measures that he had in place, rather than going stricter. Which was a mistake. Maybe, but people ignore... If people are ignoring the rules, then it really doesn't matter what the rules are. Yeah, that's true. Now... Moving on to uh, federal conservatives, they have announced their own, their environmental sort of plan, and it has proven to be unpopular with both the left wing and the right wing. (laughs) Well done. That's hard to do. It is. So, you know, O'Toole, you did it. 
Is it um, like you wrote here? Is climate change? Oh, it just doesn't say climate change. It says climate plan. Yes, it's his plan to deal with climate change. But they um, don't. But didn't they vote that there is no climate change? Yeah, well, that's why it's unpopular with his own party. They're like, dude, we just decided it doesn't exist. So why are you doing this? Yeah. But the plan, I read it and I didn't immediately hate it. But the more I heard about it and the more criticisms I heard, I was like, this is pretty ridiculous. So the way it works is Canadians would pay a carbon levy, initially amounting to $20 per ton of greenhouse gas emissions every time they buy hydrocarbon-based fuels such as gasoline. But instead of channeling that money into direct rebates to Canadian households, which is currently done with the Liberal Carbon Tax, the Conservatives would divert it to, quote, personal low-carbon savings accounts, which consumers could then draw from which, uh, to help them buy things that help them live a greener life. That's a quote from the document. Quote, that could mean buying a transit pass or bicycle or saving up and putting the money towards a new efficient furnace, energy efficient windows, or even an electric vehicle. He, uh, they're saying like, you know, it's a market-based approach. And uh, he said that he can't ignore the fact that the largest, most integrated trading partner in the United States does not yet have a national carbon pricing system. But it's kind of ridiculous because he refused to call it a tax and called it a pricing mechanism, saying not a cent goes to Ottawa. But it's it's ridiculous because it is essentially the same thing as a carbon tax. People will end up paying the same things. And it doesn't go high enough. It like caps at 50, whereas like the liberal one is going to reach 170 by 2030. And it would have to set up like a savings account for every individual Canadian. Like the federal government would have to facilitate that. And that's just needlessly complicated. Probably, yeah. I mean, I don't and, know. And What's the difference between setting up a savings account and mailing everybody a check? Like, I don't know. I maybe, but it, it's you have to set up the saving account plus put uh, everybody's direct things in, and then they can only access that money to buy things off of a certain list. Yeah, um, it's it's not simple, but it's no. not it's not right. super complex. Like, it's not like. It's not like somebody has to drive this money around. Everything's done in the cloud. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure the government would make it harder than it has to be, but absolutely. But anyway, the left wing is saying that it uh, it doesn't go far enough, and I agree. It, it, it capping out at fifty dollars a ton that's just not enough. Any environmental expert will tell you that. And then the right wing said, "This is a carbon tax." Oh, it's it definitely a carbon tax. In the exact same way as a carbon tax, which is exactly what we said we didn't want. So, I don't think it's. I, I don't think it'll play out well. No, it seems bad. Yeah, and this is the hole that you know we just keep seeing the conservatives run into again and again. Is they can't win without appeasing the center, but they can't get the center without losing their base. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a. The problem is most. It feels like most Canadians are somewhere near the middle, and yeah. uh, they don't have the. Uh, I mean, they could lose the far right if they got more of the middle. But they're, but they're not going to pry some of the. To completely lose the far right and gain the middle, they'd almost become another Liberal Party. Well, I mean, they, they got to be. Like the what the PCs were before the Reform Party. Yeah, 
It's the well, the liberal parties with with a bit more financial constraints. Yeah, well, good luck with that. We'll see what happens. I mean, you know, despite the fact that the liberals aren't completely very popular, 338 Canada just released this week's polling and it puts the liberals at 170 seats, which is exactly a majority government. Like, one less and you're in a minority, but... And the conservatives at, I think, 120, which is a bit lower than what they currently have. They are struggling... You know, since the since the 2019 election, where they got more votes than the liberals did, they have not been able to poll ahead of the liberals. Yeah, they they've had and the liberals uh, aren't exactly popular. No, they have leadership issues. They have they have more than just leadership issues. To be honest, they are they have policy issues. They are not on the same page as most Canadians. Yeah, they're looking at like losing ten seats. You could you could with a Canadian politics and I mean politics in general. You can really sway a lot of votes with a dynamic leader, a well-spoken yes, dynamic yeah. leader that, you know, can speak to the base, not the base, like the conservative base, but can speak to the, the population base in a way that re- they relate to. And, but and that's, again, that's the other problem with the conservative party is that they're never going to get somebody like that because every leader they have will have the incredible weakness that... They will have had to court the right wing, like the very right wing, to get to the leadership, which everything they said then will then be used against them by the liberals and NDP, and they're not going to be able to say they didn't say those things. Yeah, well, they just. I think. I think if you were a, if you were a dynamic enough person, you could you could do it. They, they just Maybe. don't have the right person right now. If you got all the non-right wing votes, you could do it. It would still be enough to be the leader, I think. I think there's enough yeah, center-right people. That. But the only way that would happen is if you were in a, a leadership race like you and one other person, you know? Yeah, you'd need to—it would, it wouldn't be a first ballot win. It would be—you'd have to, you know, it would be like— Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Anyway, we'll see how that plays out. They're going to lose the next election, but we'll see. Moving on, a liberal MP sparked a bit of controversy— when he accidentally appeared naked for a meeting at the House of Commons on, on Zoom. He had just come back from a run, and uh, he was changing. He didn't realize his camera was on. And so and he didn't realize until he started getting a bunch of texts from his fellow MPs who were his friends telling him to turn off the camera, um, which he then did, and he changed. And then he, the article I was reading said he thought he'd gotten away with it, until at the very end, because nobody brought it up throughout all the rest of the proceedings of the committee. And then at the very end, a block MP raised it on a point of order, but didn't mention him by name. So he thought, okay, fair enough, we're done. But then screen ca- screen grabs were released to the public. Oh. <laughs> and, and these were not, this was, and he also thought he got my thing, because this was not publicly available meetings. Like, this was not being broadcast to the public. Right. And the point he made, which I thought was very valid, you know, it, it's it's we can laugh, it's funny, but you know, it's um, it's probably not very funny to him and his family, and, and I mean, it is funny. The Beaverton article was uh, liberal MP uses House of Commons time to advertise his OnlyFans, um, <laughs> but uh, he made the very valid point of saying this was this had to have been leaked, like there was only MPs in this meeting, so somebody took a screen grab and then leaked it, and he said. It's sad that we're living in a time where anything that will gain you partisan points is considered fair game. Yeah. 
Mind you, if, I mean, I, I, I know it's just a probably a, an honest mistake, but we're also living in a time where you gotta know how to work electronic equipment. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Why is his his laptop sitting there open and the camera on if he's just not sitting at his desk? No, yes. And this was a goof. And yeah, he should, he, you know, he's apologized for that. And he said, you know, I do need to be better. But I think the overarching point is like, you know, this is people are going to try to use this to get him to lose the next election when really it should have no bearing on that. Uh, I, I guess maybe it's a, it's an honest mistake. If it's an honest mistake, then fine. But it feels like how who started his zoom call who started the zoom chat oh yeah well i don't know well like him or someone else yeah because if he started it then he knew it was on if he didn't start it who's starting who's touching his computer his government issued computer i don't know maybe maybe he started it and you know he knew he didn't have to speak for a while but he wanted to hear so he was listening like got back from his job turned it on to like listen in and change while he's listening and thought he turned his camera off. Maybe. I, I, I do take his point, though. I mean, it's not something uh, that... I mean, why why is it okay for somebody to leak a naked picture of that guy? It's not. Yeah, exactly. Moving on, another Liberal MP who is the Parliamentary Secretary to the House Leader is a co-sponsor of a... It's a House of Commons petition that is calling on Canada's criminal code to give police the power to arrest citizens who criticize the police in unfair and insensitive ways. That's a horrible idea. Yeah, basically classifying it as hate speech. Mm, that's that's a really, really bad idea. It is a very, very bad idea, and I'm surprised it's coming from a liberal, to be honest. Yeah, I'm surprised I, it comes I, from, like, other than... Other than maybe Bernier's party, I, I don't... That's shocking. Yeah. And even then, they're, like, free speech and stuff, so no, I, I don't think any party should... I, I I have a hard time believing that this is a Canadian... Uh, it sounds like a like a bill that you... Well, it sounds like the what they're doing in China. Yeah, yeah. It's like... I, like, the goal is to be, like, you know, not to make broad statements, and, and, and you can make that argument, sure, but to classify it under hate speech laws... And to make it illegal, like, come on, this is a free country. You're giving the police the the option to decide if it's insensitive or not. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, it's a bad idea. And yeah, that it that is should a bad idea. that should not even make it to like where they start reading it. That should die a quick death. I hope it does. And I I think this MP might if this blows up just a little bit more. I think this MP might be having a talk with Justin. Yeah, he's. That's borderline getting kicked out of the party for something like that. I mean, again, it's maybe it's just... You can't even say his heart's in the right place. It's just a bad idea. Like, it's just really dumb. Yeah. It's... Why, why would you think that's okay in any, anywhere? Dumb. It is. Dumb, it dumb, is dumb, really dumb. dumb. <laughs> Speaking of the liberals, they're looking at a law that includes recognition that everyone in Canada has the right to a healthy environment. And defining healthy environment, they said it would be done through consultations. But it would be supposedly a big deal because, you know, as soon as something becomes a right in law, then there are a lot more legal obligations on behalf of the government. Yeah, that sounds dangerous. I mean, you look at things like, I mean, it's not an issue anymore because they, they solved it. But but acid rain, uh, that was coming up from the states. So what are we going to do, sue them? Yeah, it, it, it 
It's one right? of those things and that might be warming, You're talking about global warming. That's a glo- It's called global warming. Like it's a global yeah. issue. So then, what? It, it what are you talking be. about? Then you're, you know, you're trying to legalize drinking in the park in Edmonton. Well, what if that makes someone feel that it's not a healthy environment anymore? Well, if their kids like sees people drinking in I the think park. this is more like natural environment that they're talking about. And yeah, I mean, that's you have to be very careful with consultations and flushing it out. But the nice thing is, you know, like. If it was enshrined into law, then the Supreme Court might be able to force liberal and conservative governments to do more than they're doing and to pressure, to, you know, exert more international pressure. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it, I, I just don't think it would work. I, I, I mean, I, I, just yeah. think, I just think more laws that are pretty much unenforceable is, is not the answer. It's it's again. It's mostly a symbolic thing. I think we love the environment. Yeah. We love the environment. Look at this law we passed. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Tomorrow, the Liberals will unveil their first budget in two years. That's exciting. It is, and of course, every budget vote is a confidence vote. So if it fails, then there's an election. However, the NDP have said that they will be voting for the budget pretty much no matter what because they don't want to trigger an election. And that's great, but you don't have to announce that because now the liberals don't care what you say. Yeah. Yeah. Jagmeet Singh's like, I would like this in the budget, and Trudeau's like, tough shit. Yeah. That's not smart. <laughs> the NDP have had a couple of bad weeks. You've just, you're just like removing all your bargaining power. Yeah, that's right. We're definitely going to support it. Definitely. Yeah. There's nothing they can put in there that we won't support. <laughs> oh my god and uh, I bet you and, and here's the thing the, the problem liberals is won't, the liberals want an election so yeah the other the other thing is though you know the liberals only need the NDP votes so not only has he taken away his bargaining power he's taken away Aaron O'Toole's bargaining power and East Francois Blanchet's bargaining power yeah so I bet you they're looking at him like come on Jagmeet <laughs> yeah it's Jeez. just it's just not something you say pre I mean everybody knows it without him saying it because yeah. the NDP doesn't want an election but and I appreciate that they don't want an election don't, like for themselves or for me we don't need an election right now we're in a pandemic yeah great don't need an election but you don't need to say it out loud yeah it's one of those unspoken truths Jags me yeah that's unfortunate <laughs> anyway do you remember that MP liberal formerly liberal MP now independent MP who hired her sister for years that yep. we were talking about. Yeah. And I think we've talked about her twice now. Well, she's now being sued from a former staffer who says that she verbally abused him, made derogatory remarks about his girlfriend, and then fired him for attending an abortion. Um, I didn't... I didn't... Do they sell tickets? <laughs> what do you mean attending an abortion? I'm assuming it means his girlfriend's abortion. Oh, okay. Which... I don't think you should be fired for. Uh, n- no. Especially from the Liberal Party. Right. They're pro-choice, last time I checked. You're not allowed to be a Liberal MP if you're pro-life. So I don't, uh, I don't quite understand that. We'll have to see. I mean, you know, it's a claimant right now. It could just be somebody trying to take advantage of the fact that 
she's having a rough time and people will believe bad things about her? Possibly. But she we'll also see. hasn't shown the best judgment in the past. No, but because it, just because you hire your sister doesn't mean that you're verbally abusive. Yeah, like it's it's a, it's a pretty big leap. I'm not saying she isn't. It could be this, you know everything he says could be true. I don't I don't know. But yeah. uh, you know, let's wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, we'll see. Um, a new report said that Canada spent 18 billion dollars supporting the fossil fuel industry last year, and I recognize that they that we spent a lot more money across the board last year than we might normally. But the last pre-COVID federal deficit from the last from that budget, which I guess would have been the last federal budget we got, was only nineteen billion dollars. We like Stephen Harper said that we needed to phase out fossil fuel subsidies, and he was lying. He agreed. He agreed that Cam used to do it. He was definitely lying, and he made no moves to do that. But like as far back as two thousand eight, we were saying, yeah, we should probably start getting rid of fossil fuel subsidies. And then we spent $18 billion on it last year. Like, I understand we're going through a pandemic. A fossil fuel industry is not the one we need to be propping up. That is not the most important. That is not an $18 billion worth thing. Yeah. Jobs are important for the economy. I agree 100%. But, you know, why is an oil worker more important than a nurse? Yeah. I, I agree that that to be most of the oil companies in Canada are not Canadian companies. They're mostly yeah. American. So I'm all for letting them live and die on their own. I, you know, if they they make money, great. $18 billion? Seems steep. Maybe, a, maybe a little. And I, I mean, I don't know what that includes. Like, what does that mean? $18 billion in payouts or, like, tax breaks for creating jobs or, or what? The article I was reading said most of it was subsidies but it was also, but that calculation also does include um, some other things. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they said most of it was subsidies. Well, most of it is $9.1 billion, which is a big difference. Yes, it is. Um, I'm trying to find the article to top off my head, but um, either way, like, even if it's, you know, like tax breaks and stuff, that is still lost money. Yeah, but it's different. It's different than it's, just handing people a blank check. Yeah. I think so. Anyway, I'm not sure why, but it feels different. But but it, it, it is an industry in general that that you know. I, last I checked, Imperial Oil made money. Uh, Shell Oil made money. Is, which oil, like what oil companies are losing money that they need to be supported by governments in in that yeah. sort of level. Uh, the $18 billion in subsidies and other forms of financial support. Yeah. Again, it, it needs a, the article probably needs to be more detailed for me because I, I, what does that mean? But, but in general, I'd rather see governments paying for roads and health care and education than, than oil industry. Things that especially more. Especially American oil industry. Well, even in general, just in general, why the why is the government supporting things that aren't government issues? Yeah. They're responsible for certain th certain things. Support, play those things. Why I I know every, I know what they'll say. They'll say we we couldn't afford to lose fifty million or fifty thousand oil worker jobs, and they're probably right. But 
that seems like a big number. And if these companies are going to fold, then they're, you know, $18 billion this year, how much next year, how much the year after? I mean, it's not going to go down. It's just going to get more. So you have to... I'd rather yeah. see them spending money. Like I said, healthcare, education, transportation, infrastructure. You can create jobs elsewhere that is more in your wheelhouse. And if they stop uh, taking the oil because it's not, they can't make a billion dollars, then they stop taking the oil. Uh, yeah. It's it con- that's, that is a free market. That is capitalism. Giving yeah, exactly. them $18 billion isn't. Yeah, that is not, no. I, I really do think that, you know, if, if you're spending $18 billion this year, you know, if you're spending over a billion dollars any year propping up the oil industry, any industry, you're right. Like you said, said that cost is only going to go up. So it's probably cheaper to let the company fail, support the workers for maybe a year while they find new jobs, and then they find new jobs. Yeah, and this isn't the same as, you know, people might point to the auto industry bailout. But this was this isn't the same as that, I don't think, because that was a very specific economic crash, like global economic crash that made the made the auto industry so vulnerable. And quite frankly, the government got most of their money back from from those auto companies cuz the they propped up the shares a bit, then the shares came back up, and they they got most of their money back. So it's it's not the same thing. No, it's not. And and you know, you say it's so high right now because it's pandemic year, but it's it, it's not a bailout if it's subsidies every year. Like that's not a bailout. And that I'm is, surprised the liberals hey. are doing this. Or is this is this like is this Canada federal's or federal plus provincial, like across uh, federal, the country? Federal, just federal. federals. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really surprising. I'm not surprised the liberals are doing it. That is, the liberals will project one message and then they do a different thing, and that is what the liberals do. Yeah. Um, anyway, off of that, Canada was for the first time has been voted the number one best country in the world to live in. Um, because it's easy to get a job in the oil industry. <laughs> I don't know. We've been in second to Switzerland for years, and this is like an international voting. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, it's lucky that we live in Canada, as specifically as white people, because it's pretty good. You know, it's better than a lot of countries. Um, but you know, I saw a lot of things like you know, oh, we're so critical of you know everything in Canada, and we fight all the time. But other countries think we're great, and I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. They don't live here. They don't actually know what's going on. They just know the stereotypes and image we present. You know, in terms of human development index, which I think. You know, a, a lot of people will think GDP is the best measure of a country. I think Human Development Index, the actual quality of life for the people living there, is the best measure of how successful a country is. Human Development Index, we rank 16th overall. That's an average. If you look at just the quality of life for indigenous people in Canada, we're 52nd. That is the spot currently held by Russia. If you look at the quality of life held by indigenous people on reserves in Canada, which is the lowest quality of life in the country, 78th. And as and I say, you know, I, I believe in judging a country by its HDI. I think more importantly, you should judge them by their HDI of the most vulnerable population. How are you treating your most vulnerable? And our most vulnerable have seven of 136th 
they have the 78th best quality of life in, in terms of like countries and that that is very low and how do they measure what, what's the measurement in that of hdi don't remember off the top of my head it's like standardized by key dimensions of human development the three key dimensions are long and healthy life standard of living and um access to education okay a lot life expectancy expected years of schooling of children at school entry age and mean years of schooling of the adult population and uh, decent standard of living is measured by gross national income per capita adjusted for the price level of the country yeah i mean it's a lot i think if you look at the at the country in general canada has a lot more challenges than some other smaller countries but but yeah we have to do better yeah i know i I don't know I, i wouldn't say we're number one Everybody else doesn't matter. You don't vote. Everybody else does. <laughs> Moving out of Canada and over the United States, I have just two American stories today. Um, Biden is set to lift the refugee cap that was left by Trump after pressure from the left. Uh, originally, he had just expanded the criteria but wasn't going to let any more in. But uh, after pressure from the left wing, from senators, like even some not even some senators that you wouldn't consider, you know, part of like the Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Just some average Democratic senators were like, this is unacceptable. You need to let in more. And so he's he said he's going to do that. And that's good. And he should have done that earlier. Um, yeah, I thought he said he was going to do that in the beginning. He did. And then he didn't. And then people were asking, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And he just wasn't addressing refugees at all. And then when he finally did... All he did was expand the criteria. He didn't lift the cap or that raise was the, the cap. That was last week's John Oliver, right? Yeah, that, that was part of it. One of the things I found wild from last week's John Oliver is that, like, if you're pregnant while you get your refugee status and then you give birth, you have to go through all that process again, which is a very long process, for your newborn child. And his point was, that's pretty stupid because I'm pretty sure you don't have foreign allegiance before you have object permanence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I doubt some lady's three-week-old baby is, you know, an Islamic terrorist. Some, for some reason, I doubt that. Yeah, it, it seems bizarre. But here's the thing. Here's the other thing I took from this story. Democrats are far more willing to criticize their own president than Republicans. And I think that's a very good thing. Yeah, for sure. The fact that since day one, Chuck Schumer and Elizabeth Warren have been calling on President Biden to cancel student debt. The fact that some senator from Connecticut and AOC were like, this is a horrible decision when Biden didn't initially raise the refugee cap. It's like, it is a, it's a good thing for the party. Like it shows a certain amount of transparency and freedom of thought people still have their own ideas of of how it goes but it's not then fox news can say look at even elizabeth warren doesn't think joe biden's doing a good job you know that's not yeah but you just she made every decision based on how fox news is going to portray it no i know but i'm just saying i'm just saying it helps not fox in general but i'm just saying it, it also helps the right a little bit Yes, I, I, I do take your point, and, and it does, but I think just having that. No, I think of you thought should. Absolutely, you should be open and, and honest. and. Yeah. Um, our favorite Congresswoman, Marjorie Taylor Greene, has started the America First Caucus. 
Now, caucuses in the U.S., House of Representatives and Senate are groupings of like-minded individuals. It's, it's, it's registered, but it's largely informal. Like, it doesn't, like, get you more money or anything like that. But, you know, you meet with this caucus that you've created, and you can... It gives you a little bit more political power because, you know, even within your own party, you can say support or don't support this legislation or do this or don't do this or we won't vote for you. You know, and if you have 41 people in your caucus, that is a number I pulled out of my butt. Um, but if you have 41 people in your caucus and specifically in this House of Representatives in the U.S. where it's so close and, you know, they're saying to you, we're not going to support you. Uh, we're not going to support, support the Republican position on this unless you kneel to our demands that's a lot of power yeah it's actually been it's actually been uh folded really yeah i read that today it, it got folded oh, that's from, news to me got folded from pressure from within our own party oh that's but that was gonna have all our favorite people um oh yeah 15 hours ago scraps plan well that's good honestly because well Actually, I mean, it would have been nice because, you know, you get them all in one room and you know who's an idiot. Yeah. She is, She is, however, I think, uh, putting a... trying to get uh, Maxine Waters kicked out of Congress for inciting violence. <laughs> which seems rich. I mean, like I said, I, I kind of called her out on it before, too. Like, why not wait till after the trial? But I don't think she yeah. should be tossed out of, out of Congress. Like, it, you know... It's it's free speech, but uh, you know she's people went after Trump, so now she's going after Maxine Waters. Yeah, I think this is funny. I'm I'm just reading through this article where it says she scrapped the plan. Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, tweeted: "The Republican Party is the party of Lincoln and the party of more opportunity for all Americans, not nativist dog whistles." That's rich from a Trump lapdog. And then Liz Cheney said, Republicans believe in equal opportunity, freedom, and justice for all. We teach our children the values of tolerance, decency, and moral courage. Racism, nativism, and anti-Semitism are evil. History teaches we all, all have an obligation to confront and reject such malicious hate. Liz, this, I think you're in the wrong party. <laughs> you're, you're getting confused, Liz. Liz Cheney. That's like, funny. They are not. They are not that party anymore like i would argue they never were but you might have a stronger argument for that in the days of hw bush and maybe even w bush but not since trump yeah no no it's pretty hard pretty hard to argue that we're the party of inclusion yeah it is it is when when, like when your party worships trump well he did say there was good people on both sides that's, that's inclusive. Yeah. Anyway, that took a lot longer than I wanted to, but that is what I have. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. All right, closer to fine. And it really is closer to fine because I managed to get my vaccine while I was in Saskatoon. Nice, congrats. I, I got the Pfizer. I'm uh, Team Pfizer, which you say is apparently yeah. the best one. Yeah, it is. So the uh, and and there was there was abs- I've had uh, no issues at all. I mean, I can tell which arm got the needle. Yeah. If I uh, well, like it feels fine, but 
I know which arm got the like it's you can tell which arm is not a hundred like you know one's ninety nine percent and the other's a hundred percent like it it doesn't hurt but I know which arm it is you know what I'm saying yeah and no That's funny. Elizabeth Elizabeth also got Pfizer and she was really sick the day after and that was a week ago and her arm still hurts oh yeah no so I, t- I, I guess it affects different people differently yeah don't have any any marks they put a little band-aid on although she gave me the needle and then she went to put the band-aid on and it wasn't bleeding or anything and she's like i don't know where to put this <laughs> she just like put it on my it's like i think it was around here and just sort of put it on my own but it was a drive-through vaccine that oh, they have cool. set up and they reduced the age to my age group and and i i was told that they'll do anybody as long as you're canadian any province and so we we went to get in line it was a it was a wait in the car i admit that it was uh when we looked they have a a a blog that like a like a website that shows how long the wait is and it said one to two hours it's like yeah that's not bad but when we got there it had it had bumped up to two to three hours so by the time from when we entered the it's like at the fairgrounds like an exhibition grounds from when we uh-huh. entered the exhibition ground to the point where I got back to my hotel was almost exactly three hours. Well, you know what? In a way, that's a good thing. It means people are getting it. Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of people getting it. There was a long lineup. But, you know, you're sitting in your car and you're playing. Like, we listen to a podcast. and uh, I'm my colleague with me, Nelson. So he nice. got it, too. and and yeah, if you're especially if you're going to be traveling like we are, it's it's you know it's a responsible thing to do, and it was a good thing to do, and 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 to me it shows how effective a federal healthcare system could be. Yeah, like no no issues. They're like, no, you're Canadian. We don't give it to Americans. I said they have enough of their own vaccines. You don't need to give it to them. Yeah. You, we can have a very effective healthcare system. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where, what province I'm in. I get the healthcare yeah. because I'm Canadian. Exactly. Drives me insane. insane. Anyway, that was that was good. So I have a little. I got my COVID nineteen sticker and a card that says I got my first dose. And uh, now they say you need that second dose to get your... You have to sit in the car for 15 minutes afterwards, and they have an ambulance there in case something goes horribly wrong, but it didn't. Yeah, and, that's uh, good. And then... But they say it's, like, you're supposed to wait two weeks, but it's, they said it's going to be two to four months before I get my second one. Yes, they, they, they extended it. But if Pfizer's given us all these extra doses, maybe I can get mine. Like, I'm happy I got the Pfizer... And the Pfizer's now given all these extra doses. Yeah. That's good for me. But give me one first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They'll have to go down to to age. Like, they're just uh, 45 here or something like that. 45 and up, I think, right Mm. now. When I got here, like, they're dropping way faster than Ontario. When I got here, it it dropped five years a week, pretty much, from when I got here, which allowed me to, to go and get it. Well... It's you know it's it's both a smaller province and Ontario has the second worst premier in the country. Uh, Saskatchewan only has the third. So well, I'm super happy with Saskatchewan right now. So don't be mean to them when you talk about our uniforms. Okay. <laughs> I've been called out. 
Well, I have a I have a nice good news story that's like just a very genuine good news story. Um, I feel like those are difficult to come across these days. But um, so it's about a um, a restaurant in Halifax called Good Robot Brewing, and their neighbor, which is a mosque, and I say restaurant, it's a pub. Good Robot Brewing, it's a pub, and then they were neighbors with a mosque. And for years, they um, sort of, like, clashed because at the mosque, they were trying to, you know, meditate and pray and stuff. And then at Good Robot Brewing, they were drinking and yelling and urinating in the streets and putting off glitter bombs and doing things that were not um, compatible with peaceful prayer. And it was spilling off of the Good Robot's property and onto the grounds of the mosque. Noise, vomiting urinating um so it got to the point where you know the they sort of almost started feuding they had a there was a complaint that was brought to the city they had a uh, tense like meeting between the management and the mosque leaders that was like five hours to try to clear the air um and there, there was you know both sides making opposing arguments and when the mosque's complaints became public there was a media, uh, social media storm of Islamophobic and xenophobic messages. Uh, the, the, the restaurant never said anything xenophobic, but you know the people who were supporting the restaurant did. The, um, the uh, I'm not sure. I think any neighbor would probably complain if they're getting puked on and urinated on. But anyway, yeah. The rest of it, the rest of it, you know. But, yeah, it sucks to be beside a bar, but that that's that's over the line. Yeah. Well, apparently over the past 5 years, the 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 restaurant, you know, despite people, you know, saying they didn't have to change, they decided that they would try to be a better neighbor, neighbor and they would change. And um over the past 5 years, they have tried to change things and they put up they've put up signs um reminding people, you know, especially if they were outside, not just be yelling at the top of their lungs. They did, they've did. they set up regular rounds of the pub by employees to clean up garbage and trash and, and anything else to make sure that it's not spilling over into the neighboring property. And uh, and then this uh, week, as, as the people of the Muslim faith began Ramadan, the brewery sent, sort of like they made a post that sent out their best wishes and, and saying, you know, how how they learned from the experience and uh, wanted to continue to resolve to be a better neighbor than they used to be. And um, oh, another one of the things they did is that they marched down the prayer times each day. And during those times for uh, however long the prayers are, they reduced the volume of whatever music they're playing. And it's a, easy, simple things like that that I like to hear, you know, like just just being a good, simple Simple things that make you a better neighbor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no harm in it. Yeah, exactly. And now the end is near. Parting thoughts, and you know, as much as I, I praised Saskatchewan and Saskatoon in the last segment, I gotta say, I do not get the weather here. Uh, yesterday it was 18 degrees, sunny, beautiful. Uh, we had dinner, like I had dinner on a patio, and and just a really really nice day. And today it's six degrees, cold and windy. 
Like it doesn't make any sense. Where's the where's the in between days? Where's the gradually cooling or gradually warming? It goes from being like like a, a nice spring early summer day to you know really cold and miserable. I don't get it, and it's annoying. So whoever yeah. does the weather here, do better. <laughs> you know that's not Saskatchewan. That's not Saskatoon. That is just the prairies. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, before I jump into my parting thoughts, I just want to say I just came across an article that I can't read because I haven't subscribed, but the Washington Post has an article titled, Opinion, Doug Ford Must Resign. And you know things are getting rough when Americans start paying attention to Canadian politics. When they care. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know I think think most readers of the Washington Post would say, huh? Who? Yeah. Who? Pardon? Like, when when John Oliver talked about the 2015 election and when he talked about the Toronto mayoral election way back when Doug Ford was running and he was saying, Toronto, don't elect Doug Ford. Like, that's when you know things are bad. Yeah. When Americans start to care about what's happening to us. Anywho, so the other day, might have been yesterday, might have been the day before, I don't remember. We have our big family group chat. And I sent into it that my opening night was on Wednesday. And then a little bit of time passed. And then you sent that you got your vaccine. And then everybody starts jumping in. It's like, woohoo, you got your vaccine. Nobody says anything about my opening night. Nobody cares because <laughs> you jumped in and stole my thunder, Dad. Sorry, I should And I needed to tell you that. I should have waited till people responded to your opening night thing. Yeah, no, nobody cares now. You got your vaccine. That's the main story. I understand. But you did kind of steal my thunder. That's exciting. Opening night is Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it's it's weird. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Like, I feel like we're going to keep rehearsing forever. QDQs are all done. and you're, is, Have you done yeah. a dress rehearsal? No, we have tech dress Monday, dress rehearsal Tuesday, opening night Wednesday. That's cool. And how many people are they letting in to watch it? Ten. And, and so when am I going to be able to watch it? What day? You, you can watch it online for $10 between April 28th and April 30th. And then it's going to be gone? I think so, yeah. Why would they do that? I don't know. Right, I feel like sorry. you'd make more money if you just shoved it in an archive and let people watch it for $10 whenever they wanted to. Yeah, or, or 5 bucks. Like, it gets, you know, 10 bucks if you want to watch it right away, and then if you want to watch it a year from now, it's 5 bucks. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Where does the money go, anyway? School? No, uh, the, the, to the theater. Okay. So, Tim's. Yeah. yeah. Which is part of the school, isn't it? Kind of. Kind of. It does a lot of support students, but it independently employs people. Okay. Like, the people who work with in the theater are not school employees of the university. Right, okay, gotcha. Anyway, um, I was looking at the um, results of elections in Halton Hills over the past past few elections and sort of just like also polling results and stuff like that um you know because last week we were talking about how you you were looking into running for office yeah and you know michael chong definitely has a commanding lead but it is declining in 2011 he got 63.7 percent of the vote in 2015 he got 50.9. In 2019, he got 47.4. And now, 
he is projected to get 45.9, which is still very high, but you can see people are turning away, and I see, I, I bet you more people are willing to turn away. And this seems to be at the expense, because when he made his big jump, his big jump down from 2011 to 2015, 63 to 50, the liberals made a big jump up. But 2015 was a good liberal year. 2019, when he went down from 50 to 47, the liberals also went down from 36 to 28, but the Greens shot up from 4 to 12. Right. So it seems to me that most of that support, most of it seems to have gone to the Greens, which is odd to jump from conservative to green, with some of it also going to the newly formed People's Party, which took 2.2% of the vote in 2019 and is projected to take 2.7% if an election were held today. But I just wanted to point out that people are turning away from Michael Chung, and I bet you there's a lot of people sitting there right now who say, like, yeah, I'd vote for him, but would be willing to vote for somebody else. Yeah, maybe. And then the other thing I was going to say is I've been watching the Orville, or the show is Orville. Do you know Orville? That's the Seth... uh, Seth Seth MacFarlane Star Trek spoof. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's really good. Yeah, I want to watch it. It's one of those things I want to get to. I just haven't yet. Yeah, it's available on Disney Plus, and what I really like about it, you know, you hear Seth MacFarlane and you think like Family Guy, and like Ted, you know, the movies um, with the bear. Yep. But it's it's great because there's like legitimate plot. It's like a real TV show, but with jokes. Like it's not like one big joke, which is like you know Family Guy, you know. Yeah. Like they have legitimate plots. You get legitimately invested in characters. They they really honor Star Trek in a lot of ways and uh, and so it's I think it's funny but it's also just a genuinely good show yeah I, I definitely am gonna gonna watch that at some point yeah and there are not all the time but there's a lot of jokes where I'm, I'm laughing and I, I, I also know that you would love them yeah um, like there's some really funny moments and it's you know like any comedy you know it's, it's like hit and miss some things are just not funny when they're trying to be funny and you're like yeah whatever but it's also in other times very genuinely funny and they have a, a star trek veteran actor as one of the main cast you probably won't know her off the top of your head um but um she played cassidy yates who was uh started to be a recurring character in deep space nine from season four and then like slowly became a bigger character she was the love interest of Captain Sisko. Yeah, she's also on another show. Castle. Castle, yeah. She's, she was yeah, the she lieutenant on Castle. Castle. Yeah. yeah. So she plays the doctor on this show, and she's quite good. And then they also have had the doctor from Voyager on for two episodes, who plays the father of one of the characters. Oh, yeah. And then they had Rob Lowe play a really funny character. That's funny. Um, in one of, the, one of the episodes. And, uh, and then Charlize Theron... Uh, guest starred wow. in in one of the episodes. It's it's really good. It's quite quite funny. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get on that. There's two seasons on Disney Plus right now. The first one's 13 episodes. The second one's 16, something like that. Half hour or hour? Half hours. No, okay. hours. 45. 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's uh, good. There's so many things to watch. It's a problem. There are. I started watching. I, I really enjoy playing this. I started watching an old show because I try to watch things that I know your mom won't care about when I'm on my own. So I watched this old show called Numbers, which is about uh, two brothers. One of them works with a like runs an FBI unit, and the other one's a mathematician. And uh, the so the FBI brother uh, gets the mathematician to help him solve crimes every episode. 
cool. Yeah, it's a, it's you know what? It's just a good. Sh- I I enjoy it, except for the the opening is bad, because you know that scene from Star Trek where Spock is talking and it's like his voice is repeating in the background because they're talking about time travel or something, and it's like through the wormhole, through the wormhole, through the wormhole. Yeah, defeat de- repeating and like different uh, like levels and octaves and sort of thing. Yeah. So that's kind of like how it opens. It's like math is everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> it's like you should just watch the opening's funny. You should just watch the opening because I just like this is a bad opening, but it's a good show. <laughs> it's on uh, Paramount, which used to be CBS. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I guess that wraps up another one. Thank you for listening, and we will talk at you again next week. And in the end